Welcome to the SaaS Sad Lab podcast where we bring you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specialized in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Gilles. He is the CEO over at Lifestorm. First of all, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Definitely. I know it's, I know it's late for you over in Paris. Uh, but again, thank you so much. So to get started, why don't you just tell me and tell us really you know, a little bit about your background and how was it that you got started in, in, in software and how did the, you know, like, how did you get to, to create the product that Livestorm is today? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I think I'm a first time entrepreneur and this is actually my first company and I fresh out of college. Um, yeah. I met, uh, I had, we are four co-founders and I met my three of the co-founders actually in college in the same school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Paris and essentially it's a school that teaches you how to, to design, marketing, and then development. So, you know, I learned how to code. My, uh, my co-founders learned how to do marketing and, and design as well. So yeah. we had this kind of a full stack thing going on, right? Awesome. And yeah, and we had a bunch of projects, mostly data visualization projects going on, a lot of side projects. And, you know, one thing led to another. And we had this final exam we had to do. And we had this idea of live streaming product and we wanted to do to, to work in B2B SaaS. And when you bring together B2B SaaS and live streaming, essentially, it, you know, webinar appears, right? right? So, and then I was doing a lot of webinars. Uh, I was, I was uh, an intern at the time. I was still doing an internship at a startup here in Paris called Mention. It's a social media monitoring company. Mm-hmm. And um, we're doing a lot of webinars out there. And I was really getting getting frustrated because we had to learn something every time we need to attend a webinar. We had a lot of friction going on because, you know, a lot of security issues, uh, a lot of, you know, plain text, HTML email that we're not looking at all, at all like our brand. So it was really clunky, really old fashioned. We wanted to do something that looks nice. We had a strong, you know, thing for designs. So we're going to something that looks nice, works inside a browser, no, no, no friction. And this is where we got the idea of Lifestone. We, the funny story is we presented the thing to the jury, right? And um, we had the entire school joining on the webinar, on the, on, on the streaming. And for eight hours, we streamed using our own product we have built in two months with a really early oh. prototype. And it was a really good experience. And when it all came to an end after the exam and everything, we were like, dude, we, we have to continue. We ha- we're onto something. So, right. and we just continue. It was back in 2015 and January, 2016, we graduated. And right after we just started from scratch the product. Wow. So everything happened super fast. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things that kind of got my, my, you know, my attention from that, uh, specifically was the fact that you mentioned that this is your first time being entrepreneur. Yeah. Is it also the first time for all, for the other three co-founders? Yeah, yeah, that's the, it was really first time for for uh, the, the entire entrepreneurship thing. It, yeah. it was, uh, obviously we had a lot of, you know, projects on the side and we knew how to build a product from scratch, but we didn't know the, you know, all the things around the business about building a company, about building a team and everything. It was really the first time. And we had so much luck, you know, to have this connections with startups here in Paris and entrepreneurs that actually mentored us in many different ways. Really so cool. it was... Yeah. What was one of the, because, so one of the things, right, is typically when I interview founders on here and they're, you know, they have three, four, five different projects behind them that either failed or they ended up exiting or something happened where now they're focusing on something new. But in this case, you're literally like a first time product and you've run it so far for about four years uh, and it seems to be doing very, very well. So 
what, like, what are some of the, you know, what are some of the struggles that you kind of like face in the beginning that, you know, obviously like, I think every entrepreneur can, can connect with this, right. But there's going to be some, some, some big hiccups along the way. Uh, What were some of those things for you guys? Well, I think, honestly, I think we, we get so lucky in many different ways. We, we have the, um, you know, usually people struggle to find a CTO, to find a technical co-founder. We have that. People struggle to find a first, you know, uh, location to work. And actually the school open up a new building out of nowhere and say, you know what, it's empty, take it, it's for you. It's like 200 square meters right. open for you. And that's another thing that we got super lucky. Uh, uh, also many different tools, many different services that we are still using now just actually appeared when a time when we, when we first started. So we had a bunch of, you know, planets kind of align at that time. And also, you know, as a first time entrepreneur, we were really, uh, um, careful about the choices we made. For for example, we knew we wanted to do B two B because B two B is, in a way, easier to sell. You know, it's there is more money. It's easier to convert, easier to sell, bigger packages than when doing B two C. Software uh, had to be. We wanted to do something self serve from the day one, something mm-hmm. that could sell itself without having a sales force uh, on the side. Because we knew we not we we knew about marketing. We didn't know a thing about sales, so we knew we did what we knew actually. Right. And we went from zero to 800 customers without having any sales. Uh, just, you know, yeah, for it was like two years and a half without any, wow. having any sales, pure organic SEO. This isn't new, the thing that we knew. So we went with what we knew, same for the tech, same for everything. Oh. So we just removed all the unknowns from the equations because we were really careful about that. And that's, I guess that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That sounds like a, like a super interesting story. Right. And, and honestly, like, I, I feel like it's, you know, like a little bit of luck, a little bit of obviously hard work from everyone's side. Right. Uh, and sure, that's sure. Now, when it comes down to really like growing and scaling a business, I feel like having a, a good team behind you, which the, the three other co-founders, obviously, you know, they, they, each of them knew what they were doing in the respective areas. But what about, you know, employees and hiring new people how do you then figure out you know what do i need like who do i need next or yeah. what traits do i need to hire to find the the right individual that, that that's a good question um so we we had this uh mentor that we're not going to play the startup so we're not going to hire like 10 people in one month we're not going to have 300 people 300 sales in one quarter because that would not this is not how we wanted things to be we wanted to automate as much as possible scale as much as possible just the four of us until the bottleneck was so tight was so hard to 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 pass then we need to have someone else and the first five hires were just like that for example when elif uh she's the had you know lead customer success here uh, at Lifestone. She's one of the first employees, second employee actually to be um, um, to be transparent. So second employee here in Lifestone. She joined us in August 2017, and when she came here, we were doing a lot, a lot of support and customer success ourselves, and we were spending so much time that we knew that you know in order to get back to the product and focus again on the product, we needed to hire someone. And we did that for every single position. So marketing, customer success, um, DevOps, uh, backend, et cetera, et cetera. Until we were really comfortable doing what we knew we were doing. And then uh, when those people got you know, their hands, their plates full, their hands full, then we apply the same logic. 
right. and now we 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 were able to scale like um, you know we have like a, a six figures MRR more than a thousand customers and we're still a team of 20 20 ish 24 you know which is pretty small yet yeah. so is everyone yeah. is uh, what do you think about remote versus uh, working in, in you know everyone in the same place is that something that is are most of the team you know remote or is everyone just working in an office what what is what is the, uh, the well the as I as I usually say I mean it will be like I don't know be like a great irony if we not let people working remotely as a video conference software it wouldn't make sense not to let them work remotely right so um so yeah actually 30 percent yeah a bit more now that 20 percent of the team is actually working remotely mm -hmm. uh mostly tech people and the reason why we started doing this is also because the the market here for hiring developers is really really tight i mean it's the same in the us but it's really tight here in paris you cannot find the talents that you need especially when you have like kind of exotic technologies, really cutting edge technologies, et cetera. So we needed to open our horizon and we opened it to France. We even have another developer working from Chile and one other from Sweden, now back in France, but you know, uh, it was in Sweden. So it was, I think it was a really great step, you know, when we started actually looking elsewhere and that's really made a difference. And even for the people working in Paris, they can actually have that flexibility to, you know, work from their home. We are having a strike right now. It is a great way for them to, you know, continue working from home without having to care about, you know, how am I going to go to work with transportation, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's really convenient. And I think it also has an effect that we didn't expect it, is that it forces you to be super, um, to be super careful about how you communicate. You, totally. when, we, when we had people working remotely, we started like documenting every single thing, you know, uh, all the releases, all the roadmaps, all the specifications, everything, even like internal processes on how to buy the software, how to introduce yourself, everything, everything was documented. And that's a great way to, to, to scale because now we, for, to have, because those people working remotely, they will know about your company, about your process, because everything is there. And when you scale, it gets easier because mm -hmm. everything is there. The foundation is here. When we, we hired this summer, uh, 10, yeah, 10 ish people, a bit more than 10 people. We went from 14 to 24 mm -hmm. and we will thought that, you know, it was process. were going to break everything. We're going, you know, uh, you know, to, but turns out no, because we had yeah. the processes, the foundation was here. So it was super easy, actually. What is your biggest fear as far as, you know, the product? Um, what's our biggest fear? Uh, well, I, I was, I was, I, I can be tempted to say competition, but you know, it's, it's always been a crowded market and actually there are a lot of great competitors. I mean, uh, for example, I mean, I could say, you know, some bad stuff about Zoom, but it turns out I actually love Zoom. You know, it's a great product. The tech is great. The CEO is an awesome guy and mm -hmm. is really a role model. So there are a lot of good things about this, but what I'm most uh, afraid of is not to be driven by that anymore, to be so far away from the product as a CEO that I'm not driven by it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I come from product, I come from marketing, and if at a certain point I'm not, you know, if I don't get up in the morning because of that, then, you know, I know that at some point there is something wrong. I think yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah. I tend to think about things like that to like competition, you know, and obviously like, I feel like everybody, even like you just said, like you try not to worry about it. Like it's still there obviously, but then when you think about it in big picture, like 
there's literally so many businesses yeah, in the exactly. world that it doesn't even matter. So you could say, okay, oh, uh, I cannot do like a hundred billion dollars company. Okay, fine. But you know what? There is so many businesses. I mean, yeah. there is the U.S. market is already super vast, mm-hmm. and we're this is our main market, and right. we're still in France. We don't have any office in the U.S., and yet the U.S. is our main market for some. Reason. So there is a lot of room uh, already. Europe is another really huge market. And one thing that we noticed is that the SMB, which is like maybe 90% of the companies in the world, uh, tend to get more and more equipped with SaaS and really cutting edge products. Mm-hmm. So there is this new emerging market of SMBs and very small companies that are you know, actually buying those kind of products. So oh. it's, it's huge. Yeah. I think it's just going to keep growing, which is crazy because you feel like everybody's already, you know, using these tools and everything, but then you go and like, yeah. if you, if like, even if you just talk to somebody that isn't necessarily involved in like startup space and you, and you mention you know, one of the biggest tools, like, what are you talking? I've never even heard of that thing before, which is crazy to us, mm-hmm. right? Because we're like living in it, but there's hundreds and thousands of people that don't know anything uh, yeah. about it yet, which is, it's, it's nice. Yeah. I was, ha- I was having this conversation with, uh, I don't know, it was like someone that was really not from the startup world, not even the tech or fall from it, uh, working with an insurance company. So, and you didn't know about Slack, for example, right. and when we talk about Slack every day, and then when I told that person about Slack and you know, they were like, wow, that's awesome. And I, <laughs> I even think they started actually using it, you know? And yeah. so, you know, yeah. I, I think there is, and they're emerging, there is like a huge market for every SaaS. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now to kind of like switch gears here a little bit and to talk a little bit more about marketing. When yeah. was it in, in the span of four years, when did you realize, you know, we needed to get more eyes on the product? Like, I feel like there's, you know, stages where you're building the product, you're making sure that everything's working properly. Maybe you get people with word of mouth and stuff like that. But when did mm-hmm. you say, okay, we need to start scaling our efforts to start generating more users? Well, so I think it's, Okay, let me tell you a little story of how we started. So first of all, we, we obviously we focused on the product. We knew we had some features to catch up for being like the basics of the webinar software that we were building. So we were really focusing on that. And obviously we're getting some signups, getting some people reaching out. So our take was to say, okay, let's just automate as much as possible. I'm just one guy. I need to take care of customer success, of marketing, of everything here. So we had this... I mean, I love this tool, so I'm just going to you know, promote that openly, but we use customer.io, right? And it automates everything during the customer lifecycle. Webhooks, emails, messages, whatever you, you want to use. It's awesome. So I had this from day one running, and entire workflow of onboarding, when people were you know, buying a plan, everything was automated. And even when people were signing up, we had this analytics, you know, grabbing all the data from the company, firmographic data about industry, everything, and, you know, building up a personal on the background. So I didn't have to worry about that as well. And at some point when we figured, okay, we catch up with, you know, we caught up with all the basics of the winner features. Uh, we were getting some good traction. That was more or less when we reached like 100-ish customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting more and more, uh, let's say, quotes by marketing and not product anymore and product decisions and this is where actually I have this need of finding someone that could do what I did in terms of automation in terms of technical marketing but also marketing like old school kind of pure marketing like content SEO and so on and so forth and have this kind of 
full stack marketing. And this was really hard to find, but you know, when that person came in, it, I, I felt that having someone really dedicated hundred percent focus made like a huge difference. Right. And um, so, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's a matter of bottlenecks. When I, when I felt that I mm -hmm. couldn't deal with both product and marketing at one time, even with automating as much as we can, right. then yeah, it makes sense to hire someone and then yeah, scale the efforts. You know? Totally. And, and one thing that is, very apparent here is that it seems like you're very good at delegating things, right? So obviously not until you need, until you know you need to do it. And that's not necessarily, it's not, I wouldn't say that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing because until you can't handle it, then you go ahead and just leave it, you know, to somebody else that's better than you at doing so. Yeah. Why, how, yeah. how do you think, uh, you know, like, what do you think about delegating? Like when should it be done? Should it be done right when you can't handle anymore? Should you prep for it? Like if you could, go back now and say, okay, I need to start delegating for something that mm. isn't even a bottleneck before. Would you do that? Yeah, it's still, it's, I mean, it's still the case, right? I, I think my, my job as a CEO is to learn all the different jobs that are not technical uh, on a company and then do every, do all of them. And then when I spend too little time on that and I feel that I'm not really, I mean, when I'm actually, hurting the company because I'm not spending so much time on it, then yeah, I, I tend to delegate. It's not so much of a matter of bottlenecks, but more of the uh, momentum that starts slowing down about, you know, it starts hurting the company because I'm not dedicated to that specific task. So to give you an idea, um, I was spending a lot of time on, for example, hiring, right? And, uh, and then when things started to grow, I spent more time with investors, with admin stuff and so on and so forth. And, not that much time on recruiting, but I still was the guy recruiting and doing the sourcing and doing the screening calls, etc. And I felt that hiring was getting slower and slower. And this is where I started dedicating all the specific sourcing and tasks to my co-founders and the team leads and so on, because they will be able to actually give more bandwidth to that specific task. So this is how I, I think about delegating, but at but am I good at delegating? Obviously, there are a couple of things that I like that I've, I've struggled delegating, specifically, right. you know, marketing, for example. This is the stuff that I love. I love growth. You know, I, I come from that background and I know and I still have some stuff that I do on, for example, like setting up segment.com or spending time on, you know, hacking some stuff up. I do spend some time yet doing this, right? But... I know I have to delegate that because right. otherwise I'm just overlapping with someone else's job and, you know, maybe they will not feel good about it. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I love it. Uh, one question that I should have asked earlier, you don't have to give me a specific figure if you are, but uh, with four co-founders, did you guys bootstrap or are you funded? And if you're funded from what point, uh, again, oh, sure. you don't have to give me a figure if you don't want. Uh, but no, no, just... I, happy to share. Everything's public, so I, I don't mind. Um, we we started back in 2015, no, 2016, um, and we stayed bootstrapped uh, until, well, you know, it's, I mean, the context in French is specific because you get, um, you get where when you had an internet chip, you can still get money from the state to help you out, et cetera. So we stayed like that, bootstrapped in a way, 
from 2016 to um, June, yeah, June 2017. This is where we raised actually a seed round. It was a small seed round here in Paris, so 500k. Still a lot of money, but still mm -hmm. kind of small, you know, given the market. And um, actually, we had this really efficient way of maintaining cash flow really like balanced. So we mm -hmm. stayed with that 500k for two years until mm -hmm. this year, actually. And we raised a Series A that was uh, officially in September 2019, and it was like 4.6 million euros. Nice. That's yeah. Congrats, man! That's uh, a couple Thank months you. ago, so that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, with the cash flow statement on there, like you know, you it was relatively balanced and, and well handled. Is somebody in the company well versed with finance? No one, but I learned on the I learned the job on my end, right? So right. <laughs> I I had this really, I mean. I'm a, I don't know how you say that in English, but I'm careful. I'm prudent, I think, and I don't want I don't want to to spend money that I don't have. So typically, right. I was always the foot on the brake, foot on the gas, and say, okay, right. I, I can invest a bit more here, but then I can, you know, right. make sure that this doesn't burn out. Mm -hmm. So it was like that for two years. It was a bit frustrating sometimes because we knew we could do more, but now that we have Series A, it's time that we and unlearn what we the the mm -hmm. all those you know things yeah. of being careful be and everything careful, right? <laughs> exactly we have to learn to be careful you have to let things go and try and experiment and that's the main thing right now that we're trying to learn that's awesome that's awesome man and we have a couple minutes here and just to like kind of like shift a little bit more into like personal side of owning and running a business right on a personal level what is the most challenging thing uh of being the ceo of, over at livestorm uh, so there are two things that there are the first one is uh, balance. I mean, I, I I think I'm a pretty balanced guy. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't stay at the office until, you know, midnight or 10 PM or whatever, you know, working my ass off. I tend to have the same hours as everyone. And that shows them also that they don't have to spend that much time at work as well. So there's, there's this other effect as well. But I tend to be balanced. Uh, I know I have someone at home waiting for me, so I have to stay balanced for that person right. as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, so this is the first thing I, I need to, uh, I need to work on every day. And the second thing is, I think, not care, have thick skin. You know, there, there are things that are bad. There are every day. There are things that are bad, but not all the bad things are equal. So typically, when you know, someone refuses your offer for an art hiring, for example. Yeah, it's bad. And you can feel bad about it. You can question yourself, like, okay, why? I mean, why? I mean, why are we not that good or whatever, you know? Hmm. And, but then you just let things, you have to learn to let things go. And oh. because there are actually things that are, you know, worse than that. And this is, I think, one of the hardest things, you know, when you see a new competitor coming on the market or you see, I don't know, someone that gets you know hunted or poached by other companies and you love that person you don't want them to leave it's yeah that's an everyday struggle but you know every day you have to build that thing skin and rationalize everything and make sure you take the right decisions and not be too emotional about it and that's yeah great answer if you could go if you could go back to say day one or like the early days with the four years so far that you've been going strong, if you could go back, what would you tell yourself to maybe do differently? I would say, I would tell myself, enjoy, because it was going to get worse. <laughs> so enjoy this. I mean, every every single founders that I, I met told me, enjoy this phase, because it's 
it's a great phase of the company. You're just your co-founders, you're this bootstrap phase, right? You're just building the product, you only care about the product. And I didn't I didn't notice at the time, but it's actually a great phase because it's a really like I don't know, it's something that builds up, you know, the friendship builds up, the values builds up, the culture. It's it's really good moment, right? So really enjoy that moment, even if it's hard, enjoy it. And the second thing is be more uh, I'd say be more square, be more in French we say be more square, but be more um, you know attentive to your metrics. I think I started caring about cash, about finance, about the metrics, about the KPIs, about the reporting a bit too late, I think. Mm. Now it's good, it's in place, you know, but when you start tracking everything from day one, you get more used to it and then it gets easier to do it and get you to spend less time. So it's an investment that you make at the beginning for right. actually having more time at the end, focusing on different things. So yeah, the world and two things I would tell myself. Cool. Awesome. And what is your favorite tool? Well, my favorite tool. So the first, uh, I have to pick one. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with the first one that I mentioned here. Customer.io. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and honestly, I've been using it since I was an intern in my fourth year of university. So that takes me back, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, something wow. like that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great tool. I mean, I love it. Company is great as well. Small team, great people, cool values. I mean, role mm -hmm. model, if you ask me. Awesome. Where can people find you online? Well, lifestorm.co, I mean, the company or me? Both. Both. Okay, lifestorm.co for the company. And uh, on Twitter, it's lifestorm app. So you'll, you'll find us. As for me, it's, um, it's a weird French name you won't find. But uh, if you type uh, Jill's, Lifestorm Twitter on Google, you'll find my Twitter account and that's how you can find me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And last question here, Jills. Uh, do you have any questions for me? Um, yeah. How, how do you like, I mean, is this only thing that you do? I mean, is this like your business and how, how is it different? I mean, you interviewed a lot of different SaaS and startup companies and do you feel there's a difference between having this podcast and having like a SaaS company or do you see similarities or, you know, what's your experience as a podcaster? That's a good question. I mean, it's not the main thing. I have the agency, but just, I think the podcast, it's, it's nice for one, you can get to meet a ton of different people, right? Like I feel like after starting this, I literally have, you know, maybe not the type of connection that you'd call your friend or something like that. But I feel like I can reach out to people. Like now I feel like I can send you a message over in Paris I have people that I can send a, a message to in Morocco and just a lot yeah. of different places like that, right? So it kind of like makes you feel this sense of connection, which is always nice uh, to just know more people in the space that you love. Uh, mm -hmm. And also just learning about, you know, how people are just, I feel like this isn't something like, for example, you technically, you, you've only been through your own journey at this point, right? So like you only know what you've experienced. But when I interview people, I feel like I can hear a bunch of different industries, like how, you know, how did uh, uh, Freshworks and, you know, how are they doing marketing? How are you doing marketing? How is that different? Why is it different? So it kind of like brings up a lot of different questions that I typically tend to, you know, like ponder a lot of, and it's good because it helps me as a marketer on, you know, how, like what's the best approach for a specific type of company essentially. So it's nice to just understand a little bit more about different markets. That, 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 that is a great answer. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm asking because we were actually thinking of, you know, running a podcast. And I think the main benefit that, I, that I've seen in having a podcast is exactly what you described, meeting 
other people that does the same thing different ways and you can basically aggregate all of that mm -hmm. and make some kind of and do your own about it you know and get inspired so it, it's, it's fun great. it's fun, it's and, fun. And, and how you mentioned right like you have like like you yourself you're like you're a marketer you enjoy marketing and it's nice because it gives you a, a almost like a separate project to to challenge yourself with and say you know how yeah. am I going to grow this thing? Because it's not, it's not the same as growing a SaaS company. And I've never, you know, I guess in a way I have helped grow SaaS companies, but it hasn't been like, I didn't build it. Uh, so yeah. it's a little bit of a different process there, but it's definitely, I think you'll, you'll like it. Uh, and especially, you know, given the space that you're in, obviously like web conferencing and stuff like yeah. that, I think it'll, it would, it would be relatively relevant to, you know, the, the entire company and what you're doing. So it might be fun. I'd definitely cool. give it a shot if I were you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Cool. Well, thank you just so much for being on here today. Again, it was a pleasure. And uh, for anyone that's watching, make sure you like, subscribe. If you like it, if you don't like it, give it a thumbs down, I guess. Uh, but again, thank you for being all here today. Sure. Catch you soon. Take care, man.